edge. Take you to the edge with the wedge. Sour cream and switch any I'm pretty good. And yourself? Yeah, look, I am I am pretty good. Uh, a bit um, apprehensive. Well, not apprehensive. I think that might be the wrong word. But oh, what we're talking about today isn't great. It's a bit odd and oh, psychologically scarred, I think. Um, so, of course, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about kidnapping and the Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. Now, before we get cracking, when I thought of kidnapping, and look, I'm sure it still happens, but I thought kidnapping is up there with quicksand for being a major threat in movies and TV shows back in the 80s. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I wasn't expecting a quicksand bit, but yes, yes. You know, you watched a lot of shows where someone was kidnapped and held to ransom. And that was like a major plot line in a lot of films and TV. Or am I just, yeah. And so, yeah, you don't see, I mean, maybe you do, but I don't notice as many kidnapping storylines as in the old days. As many. Mm. No. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, well, kidnapping, I mean, hey, let's just go, what a horrible thing to go through for anyone, um, whether you've been held to ransom, you know, or whatever the case is, just having a gun against your head, you know, against your will or just being held against your will is, would be absolutely life terrifyingly horrendous. I have no words for it. It would just be awful. Um hmm. The thing to me is, and the Stockholm syndrome. The thing for me is, when if someone were to kidnap someone, say it happened, and then you're doing the swap over of money for the person, that just seems to me like, how are they going to get away in this day and age when you do the handover or whatever? That surely you're going to get caught with all the digital surveillance and everything we have now. Well, you'd like to think so. I mean, let's have a look at the child trafficking just quickly with that. Uh, I won't want to do too much on that, but uh, let's just look at that for a moment. How many thousands and thousands of kids are missing? Not a trace. How does that work? Yeah, it is disturbing. You know? Very disturbing. But, look, but then um, do they don't get given back? Do they? They just go missing. Well, they just go missing and probably no, never come back. Yeah. So um, with the kidnapping, you're holding someone for ransom usually. Um, yes. And so for you to do the handover, it just feels like you're very exposed to the cops. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But uh, it's uh, funny that you said that 
a lot course isn't it's to do with their sexual fucking needs they they want to fill their sexual needs and the only way they're going to do that is by kidnapping well a lot of the stories i read about stockholm syndrome a lot of them were sexually abused by their um you know kidnappers so it, it seems well they want a ransom they all seem to have different some of them kept them as sex slaves some of them well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Should we get into some of the Stockholm Syndrome cases? Yeah, absolutely. But before we go any further, I'd just like to... So basically the name of uh, the botched robbery in Stockholm, in Sweden, um, back in August 1973. So four employees um, of the... I hope I said this right, the Svergis Credit Bank were held hostage in the bank's vault for six days. And during the standoff, uh, an unsuitable bond developed between a captive and a captor. And that's where the name Stockholm Syndrome came from, purely from that particular kid bulb. Mm. Now let's just quickly so, discuss that. Yeah, it is very interesting. If we're going to just talk about when you watch a movie and there's a villain, sometimes you're quite drawn to the villain more than the hero. Do you? I don't like, right. I'm just trying to relate this. I'm trying to understand how if someone's holding you against your will, how you could somehow have compassion or, you know, sort of be um, on their side, wanting them to yeah. succeed. And I well, think, look, that, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It might be in the same way you like a good villain in a movie. Absolutely. Well, look, I mean, psychologists who have studied the syndrome believe that the bond is initially created when the captor threatens a cap the captive's life deliberates and then chooses not to kill the captive so the captive's relief at the removal of death is transposed into feelings of gratitude towards the captor for sparing their life basically and as oh, I mentioned, wow. the, you know as i mentioned the stockholm bank robbery incident proves it only takes a few days for this bond to actually cement uh, well, it's, fun that, it's funny that, uh, so sorry sorry finish no I was just gonna say proving that uh, early on the victim's desire to survive trumps the urge to hate the person who actually created the situation well I can get that I would understand that you'd be grateful if you suddenly realized oh they're not going to kill me and so I suppose it's not just Stockholm syndrome that the captive is feeling like that towards the captor maybe even sometimes the captors start liking the people they've captured and so it's a mutual thing they end up liking each other it's, yeah it's it's i don't think um, anyone could really understand it until they're actually in that situation really because well, like, why would you why would you it also depends, I guess, on what the motive is for the kidnapping too. And look, I remember watching an Oprah years ago and it was about all of these women who'd been captured and then had escaped. So they'd been abducted. And pretty much they were saying, you've got to, if you're going to try and escape, escape before they move you to the second location because they were basically saying, if they move you, they're going to kill you. And that really oh. frightened me. But then after reading the Stockholm Syndrome, sounds like, you know, some of them become like family. Some of them accompany their captors and 
it's like they've become their children. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's really it's, bizarre. Oh, it is bizarre. Just try and get your head around. And I guess also there's that feeling of feeling sorry for them. You know, that would probably come into, you know, when you're like, well, actually, I feel quite sorry for them. And then you've got this, especially if you're an empath, um, you, you sort of try and make them feel better. Yeah, isn't that weird? So mm. um, I will admit I only did a little bit of research. I probably read about five or six cases of um this syndrome, Stockholm Syndrome. And one of the most famous ones I wanted to mention was that uh, Patty Hearst, who was the granddaughter of a publishing um, magnate called William Randolph Hearst. So this is back in the 70s. She was this pretty young teenager. She she was abducted by the... Sorry, dogs are going off. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, oh, my goodness. I'm so they're sorry tr- about this, folks. They're triggered by the kidnapping stories. They're, they are very triggered by the kidnapping stories. <laughs> um, oh are they okay? Yeah. <laughs> so Patty Hurst was living with her boyfriend, um, living at Berkeley University in California. And... Oh, poor puppies. Oh, my goodness. I apologise. They started <laughs> singing and carrying on. <laughs> um, oh, hello. Oh, sorry, I'm just... Oh, God. <laughs> Are they okay? Uh, oh, Jenny, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you want me to sing some waiting music? Oh, I'm, I'm doing a live podcast. Sorry, who are you here with? Okay, Sarah, you're back with me. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry about that. Had a very unexpected visitor that came to the wrong house. Love that. Love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and the dogs well, were singing. It was all, it was chaos, chaos, darling. Anyway, at, we're back into it. At least he was not going to kidnap you. Thank God he didn't kidnap me, darling. I was <laughs> scared for my life. <laughs> oh, um, as I you was saying, <laughs> as I was saying, Patty Hurst, who was, yeah. you know, granddaughter yes. of a millionaire, lived with an older man. Um, I think she'd hooked up with a teacher of some sort when she was younger and they lived together at Berkeley. And, um, yeah, suddenly one evening, she's only 19, gunmen yeah. came in. Oh, hang on, I don't know. Did they have guns? Am I just making this up? Um, they came they in. They usually and, do. And they were part of the Symbionese Liberation Army, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> but wow. they, they were a left-wing group who uh, were sort no. of anti-American. And they took her and somehow she joined them. So they oh, convinced her. Wow. I think they sexually abused her um, and, yes, yeah, somehow she, after being raped and held against her will, they somehow convinced her they were pushing for something she might want to fight for. Also, also known as brainwashed. Yeah, she was brainwashed. And then she sort of joined them and believed in their cause. 
Um, in the end, she did get sent to prison for being becoming one of them, which is weird, really, isn't it? So she was just minding her own wow. business. She gets kidnapped, then brainwashed, and then she ends up in jail. <laughs> and she was Look only she was only sent for two years. I think she even helped them rob and you know kidnap others. So yeah, because isn't there quite a few movies done about this woman? Yeah, I think there are lots of docos, and because or she based, came based on it, she came from a sort of prominent family in the publishing world. Um, but yeah, she had real sympathy for them, and I think what you were saying before, when you realise they're not going to hurt you, although mind you, they did rape her, but when you realise yeah. they're not going to kill you. Do you then, yeah, does that gratitude turn into something else? Which I think it did. Well, yes, it, it, it totally does. And, and like you said, it's the gratitude um, towards the cats for sparing their lives that they mm. were harnessing anyway. Yeah, it's uh, once you start digging into this, it actually, and then also, I also wonder, like, um, and this is probably going off a few movies as well, what have you, but, you know, when you're watching something and someone gets kidnapped and, and then the cat, Tiv, uh, starts being, you know, and their weaknesses and how to sort of get on their good side and you sort of try pretending to be nice and it almost turns into you are just being nice and that's just how it's going to be for the rest of however long you're going to be ki kidnapped more. Well, she now recognises she was brainwashed and uh, weirdly she was pardoned later by Bill Clinton. She only served a year in jail, but I just remembered she married a policeman who was part of her security detail when she was on bail. So how weird is this? She has a boyfriend, she's kidnapped. Oh, she then wow, sort of... What a web. What I know. Web. She falls for her captors and she, you know, assists them. Then she's let out and the police who are looking after her while she's um, out, she falls in love with him. So what's going on here? <laughs> like, well, she sounds messed up. <laughs> she sounds like she jumps on any bandwagon that comes along. Um, I'll just, yep, I'll fall in love with you and you and you and you and you. Whoever is watching her God. at the time, she falls in love with by the look. So it meant a teacher, a Listen kidnapper, then a cop. So And she actually married the policeman and had two kids. So there you go. So, yes, it's a tangled web that um, Patty Hearst went through. But it's funny, too, that you can, oh. you know, she can say, oh, oh they brainwashed me. You know, in a way, she was a victim. But then when she joins her captors, is she still a victim then? I guess she is. Is she still a victim? Correct. Well, do you think she is? I don't know. No, I think, look, brainwashing can be... Um, is a thing. Pretty intense. Yeah. And it, it's a, definitely a thing. I, I remember years ago we lived in... This is just siding back a bit about it, but we... Uh, Africa, uh, there was this funny little place called... Um, I want to say Holland Park, um, halfway house. It was called halfway house, this suburb. And we were never allowed to go to school because uh, literally these people would kidnap kids. If they saw a child on their own or whatever, they would kidnap them, 
brainwash them and turn them into like this cult, into their cult. And so we didn't go to school for about two years because of this. And thank God we moved out of that crazy little place. Freaky. So brainwashing is definitely a thing. Hmm. Well, look. Especially for, well, I think for anyone. I, I read some other cases and some were terrible. Some were a 14-year-old girl was abducted, I think, just from, uh, what do you call it, hitchhiking. And it was a couple who had a kid in the back, had a baby seat. And you would think they would be safe. But no, as soon as she gets in the car, a knife comes out, they kidnap her, um, they raped her. They, You know, even this is what I don't get, that the father is doing all these terrible things. They've got a child of their own who they treat well. And then they can just pick up a 14-year-old girl and do that to her. And then they kept her. Oh. Um, this is the worst. They kept her in a coffin-like box for like 22 hours a day. What? And she somehow then became attached to them. And like, so awful. And then even when they get the opportunity, this was a real common thing. People who were kept for years and years in these awful conditions and raped and abused, they have opportunities to go. Like there was one that even saw their family and then came back to the horrible scenario. And it's almost like, you know, police, there are even cases where the police have seen them out and about. All they would have had to do is scream, help me, help me. But they don't. Yes, but they don't. They're so afraid or... Or they're loyal. Getting, they're loyal. Yep, scared that they don't want to, they're captive. That that freaks me out. To get into jail. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, So what did you discover? What did you discover? Now, this is interesting. Well, this is interesting because, um, so we'll talk a little bit about people who have been kidnapped but this is an interesting one because uh, Elizabeth Pritzel now uh, after she turned 18 she was kidnapped and held hostage in her own home Uh, and during her captivity you know she was continuously raped by her own father Um, and it's interesting though because you said is that kidnapping though yeah and you're right it is I think yes you're a prisoner in your own home you haven't been kidnapped and taken somewhere else you're being held prisoner in your own home but no. yes it's definitely in the same ballpark as- and oh and what a, he was just revolting so this guy joseph pritzel what's his name i remember this family. case yep lured her into the family basement kept her there for 24 years Gross. um did she have a baby has, she had quite a few her sto- oh, gross premise of a Netflix documentary it's called story of a monster and uh, during her captivity she gave birth to seven of her father's children Uh, how's this though three of which were brought upstairs for her mother to raise as if they were uh, so Pritzel basically said I found these children we need to look after them because we don't have our own she's been kidnapped so he's obviously thought you know told the wife that our child you know is being kidnapped um the others were held captive in the basement. Hang on, Sarah. Is this? I thought this guy was Fritzel. It's Fritzel, isn't it? With an F, isn't it? I remember the Fritzel, Fritzel. case. 
Um, but it's yes. F F R I T Z L Fritzel. Oh, really? Because oh, where I was looking, it was a P. But anyway, Fritzel. We'll go with Fritzel. <laughs> yeah, now, I've seen for that. No, no, I've seen this new story and it's revolting. <laughs> it really oh, it is, is revolting. Yes. Uh, but this is the interesting because one night shortly after childbirth, uh, the children raised by Pritzel and his wife were approved by social workers who regularly visited the house, suspecting going wrong inside the home. And uh, they said that no one suspected anything as finding children seemed a plausible thing for Elizabeth, you know. Um, so she was the only one found after she was convinced yeah. Joseph, her father, to take the children. He had, to, um, so she convinced the dad, sorry, I know this is getting a bit confusing, convinced the dad, her father, Joseph, to take one of their children to seek medical attention as she kept falling unconscious. And it's horrible. She didn't buy Fritzl's story about having a note from the, from the mother and claimed that the mother had run away and joined a cult and showing letters from her. Um, and, yeah, they just did not approve. But it, uh, it was funny because he then soon after... Joseph cracked because the child was still in hospital and let them all come to visit the hospital where they were. And that's when they were all apprehended by police. 2009, finally got life in jail. But holy heck, what a horrendous 24 years of your life. Yeah, he was a monster. Years. And this is the guy in Austria, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. And I remember um, Christopher he Hitchens just... going on about it and saying, you know, even if you believe in a heaven or hell, what that girl went through, like that can never be oh undone. God. It can't be undone. Even if uh, Fritzel goes to jail, even if she goes to heaven, why did she have to suffer 24 years of being raped by her father in oh. a dungeon? Like it's just oh. peril. It is peril. Oh, she would have been nearly 40 years old when by the time she got out. Yeah. And I remember. See, that's. See, that's Sorry. No, no, no. I remember her talking. Did she have to actually give birth in the dungeon? And I remember her saying something awful about having to cut the umbilical cord herself. I mean, imagine having babies without a doctor there. I, I think she, well, I, I'm, just, I'm still stuck on having a baby with your father. That's fucking. Oh, ugh, yeah, that is need. foul. But you, then to but have you know, no medical okay, attention. But let's look at this very quickly. Surely the mother. Yeah, the mother. Disappearing down the basement. What, she's not been in there for fucking 24 years? Please, spare me. Um, there are so many things that don't add up. I, I don't do get hope it. That the mother, I hope that the mother fucking gets into trouble or she does get into trouble because I, how could you not know? How could, how well, if she, if if she raised... Basement, if she raised the kids, then obviously, where did she think they came from? Well, and, gee, they look like us. They look like part of the family. <laughs> Fuck. She must have known. That is so gross. Of course. Of course. And that's the thing. When people, yeah, when they know, or why, or you, I mean, you do, unless you're in that situation. I mean, would she have started screaming and pounding on things? And, I mean, yes, he sexually abused her. Did he do anything else to her? hit her and chain her up and all that stuff that surprised me too when i looked through kidnapping um scenarios that they there were husband wife kidnappers 
and that the wife was cool with her husband raping this victim and then them living with them. Like, what is going on there? What is going on? It's so disturbing. What about that little girl? I haven't got anything written about her. Um, but, you know, the famous uh, little girl and she did all those, um, she was American, did all those... Um, Oh, the pageant. Like little, the pageants, yes. Uh, John Bennett. But, yeah, yeah, but she wasn't kidnapped, was she? We think probably someone in a, allegedly someone in her family yeah. did it. Yes. It's pretty gross. Well, they even were talking about the brother doing it because of jealousy and stuff. But, yeah, that's. It's an unsolved crazy. mystery, isn't it? People do crazy, crazy shit. Well, um, when, when we chose this topic, I straight away thought of, Ruthless people. Do you remember that Bette Midler movie? Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you remember yes. Danny DeVito is her husband and he hates her anyway? And so when Bette Midler gets kidnapped, he's loving it. And he's when the kidnappers <laughs> are asking for money, he's like, good, kill her. Don't have it. <laughs> I have a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And he, he actually wants her to be murdered and the poor kidnappers... Um, they end up feeling sorry for Bette. <laughs> and I think while Bette Midler yeah, I, is... I really need to watch that movie again because it's... Oh, it's so funny. And then she ends up going on a diet and getting really hot and <laughs> it's really funny. But I must watch that movie again because it was funny. It was. Bette Midler was, was the funny. 80s. Um, look, some terrible thing, of course. Let's also remember... Um, God, it was over 10 years, or oh, way, way over 10 years now, was uh, Daniel Morecambe, who um, got taken from the Sunshine Coast. Yes. Um, yes. That was horrific. And I, and I think everyone had so much hope and that he was still alive, but apparently he died actually quite soon after he'd been taken. But And I think that's the thing, isn't it, when you just, I think the worst thing about anyone going missing is the not knowing. I think. Totally. That just uh, Madeline McCann. Um, is she still alive? Well, it's Oja funny. Is what I'm trying to say. It's funny you say that. I, I watched uh, my favorite show on Netflix, Unsolved Mysteries, and it was one set in America, and it was a couple of um, African American mums who had both lost their little boys in pretty much exactly the same way. They were at a park. They were distracted for just moments and suddenly the child was missing. And it was like the scenario, you know, being a mother, that is your worst nightmare. When you're at a park and you're watching your kid play, you can easily get distracted for a minute. And then those few seconds when you're looking for your kid, like where have they gone, where have they gone, your heart starts pounding. Is oh. like I've been through that a lot where I've just said, oh, my God. And then luckily yep. I've always found my kids. Yep. Well, this doco had two poor women who didn't ever get them back. And, you know, oh, awful. Uh, it was awful. And this was years and years later. So this had happened to them 20-odd years ago. And the strange thing is the whole show was set up. Um, they, they were kind of doing the show in the hope those boys were taken and brought up by another family because this is the odd thing. Um, they showed another case, this is crazy, where a woman had taken a baby, her baby had a fever, took the baby to the hospital. A woman in a nurse's outfit took the baby 
and said, oh, look after. She never saw that baby again. So then this woman had dressed up as a nurse and that woman had had loads of miscarriages, couldn't have a baby. So she just dressed up as a nurse, went to the hospital and stole a baby. She brought that baby up. And then when that woman, girl was a woman, she went, she took her birth certificate somewhere and they said, no, that's a fraud. And so then she looked into it. She found out she was the stolen baby and she was reunited with her biological mum. So how crazy is that, that sometimes someone will kidnap but only to be a mum, like not even to yeah. do anything to them, just... Just want to fulfil yeah. that. And so these poor two mums who are on unsolved mysteries, other people, they're they're doing it in the hope that some desperate woman who couldn't be a mum had taken their child and brought them up. So they're holding on to that hope that someone oh. I don't know if you could call them good, but someone with good intentions, you know, for the child had stolen. But how them. over? Oh. That's awful. But how overshadowing would that be in your life? Like. Every oh waking moment, every every hour. If it's your worst nightmare, just having this big fucking shadow over your head. It's your it worst is. nightmare. I remember once. I remember once Ruby and her little friend. They must have been like four, and they just disappeared. They just completely gone. And the other mother that I was with at the time, she was so freaking blasé. For a moment, I'm like, has she set this up? <laughs> like mm. she was like. Oh, they'll be okay. They'll be fine. And meanwhile, I'm like running up and down the freaking estuary trying to find. Absolutely. That's yeah. It's a horrible feeling. It is. It is. It's it's panic to the point until you find them, you can't calm. And then imagine feeling like that for twenty years. Like it would be constant. And you know, I know we've talked about Daniel Malcolm before, but his poor mother, like. When he was missing, I uh, I don't know if it was before they found out what happened to him, but um, she became an alcoholic and she couldn't sleep. And I've seen her talk about it and how she wanted to get divorced and just everything she went through. And I thought that's a normal response to what happened to her. Yeah. That is a normal, oh. you know, it's amazing they've turned it Would around. You fight those demons like it's, fuck. It's amazing they've turned it around into positive. But um, when I saw how distraught she was, I was like, any mum would feel like that. Any mum would be distraught. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It is. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, the thing is, though, is as well, that you've got to understand is that people um, with grief, people react to grief in different ways. So let's say, for example, Madeline McCann's mother, everyone's going, well, she's cold. She's so... Yeah. Not burst tears and screaming and carrying on. Um, yeah, will you just take a step back and imagine what she's feeling internally, you know? Like, what, because she's not showing, she's just trying to be like, I just want my child back uh, because so many people aren't seeing the tears and all this. They don't believe, they think that she's done it. Well, just I like think, bloody, I know. Lindy Chamberlain and all, and Joe and Lee. Yep. They're all judged and women are judged very much, aren't they? And if they don't cry, the public are very wary of them. Yep. Yeah. It's, yep. Um, or if you're too over the top, you've done it. So you've got to, you've got to, whilst you're going through all this horrendous angst, 
you've got to think of all the public going, how am I going to come across to them? Like you're going to do that, right? It's the last thing that would, yeah, you shouldn't have to worry about that. You're already going through so much stress. Yeah. Jesus. But then saying that, see, when that Alison Baden Clay went missing, remember, and her husband was jailed for, he did come across as guilty when he was doing appeals on TV oh. and crying, it looked fake. Do you remember? Imagine, yeah, I do. Imagine that daughter though, because she was, you know, holding him and he was trying to well, comfort her and, and then finding out that your fucking dad killed your mother. How awful. Mm. Horrendous. Mm-hmm. You, you've lost, to me, you would have lost two parents. Just awful. <laughs> We pick quite a dark subject. Yeah, we are. I've got a bit of a dark subject. Um, <laughs> look, another horrendous kidnapping, which is also very, very famous, of course, is Amanda Berry, uh, Michelle Knight, and Gina DeGeezus. Uh, De- De- <laughs> I hope I've said that right. Um, but look, I tell you, uh, we have spoken about this actually on the podcast but what an awful scenario um oh oh just imagine just yeah and having kids with this revolting man it's it's their friend's father for god's sake um and thank god amanda berry somehow escaped and just ran and found you know rang the police and yeah time And you know that prick, do you know that fucking, excuse my French folks, but that absolute flawless prick. I didn't, I missed that, Sarah. I missed that. I said, sorry. Ah, I said um, that ballless prick. <laughs> I, I, got, that I did get that <laughs> Oh, you did get that. Just thought I'd throw that in again. Um, yeah, the bastard bloody hung himself in jail. Yes, they don't face yeah. justice. No. Oh, God. It is, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Well, Sarah Cream, are there any other cases we wanted to discuss? Because I think we're almost there. Yeah, look, there's freaking thousands of cases. Um, <laughs> obviously, we won't be going through all of them, but yeah, it is uh, a pretty horrific, horrifying experience. And uh, what makes it just even a bit more crazier is, of course, the Stockholm syndrome that we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, trying trying to wrap your head around that is beyond words. However, like I said previously, situation like that we would one would never understand Mm. yes and I can't the only way I can imagine it is you know when you're watching like I'm trying to think of a movie I mean like something like Silence of the Lambs say with that yeah he was disgusting obviously he was a cannibal and creepy um Hannibal Lecter and yet he was charming and he was well spoken and when um, Jodie Foster has those really intense scenes where they're talking, um, there is something you can tell she's fascinated by him, aren't you? And she's sort of drawn yeah, like very much so. 
she's charmed. Clarice. Yeah, she's charmed by him. And I think that's what the audience feels too, that someone could be such a monster and yet intriguing at the same time. And I can't help but yeah, think, yes. I wonder if someone's so desperate that they kidnap someone and they have, a, say, with the Patty Hearst one, they have a cause that they believe in passionately. Maybe when she saw that, she, you know, they somehow did convince her that their cause was worth fighting for. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, charisma goes a long way, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Um, I mean, you just have to look at Dirty John, for example, how oh, yes. manipulative people can be to get what they want. And, Did you watch that, you know, Sarah Cream? Oh, I don't think I need to. I know quite a few in Who are life. just like that. <laughs> oh, dear. I've seen the You've seen it in real life. Let me tell you, most like I've seen, I've seen snippets of Dirty Job, but it's almost like uh, they say exactly the same thing. And I think if you can become aware of those signs, that's a good start. You know how to how to look at a narcissist, how to look at a psychopath. I mean, Jesus, we need some, we need lots of tools these days, darling. We do, we do. We need we a psychology degree as well. <laughs> right Lisa it's, I hope you've learned a little something especially with the Stockholm syndrome and you know all that uh, of course we haven't quite delved into it too deeply but certainly touched the uh, edges but uh, it is yeah fascinating. look it is uh, here we go another week another podcast so hope you enjoy this one and um can't give you an insight what we're doing next week we'll have it'll be a bit of a surprise I think yes we've got a few ideas but um thanks to our beautiful listeners we um love hearing from you so interact with us on Facebook and Twitter and you can listen to us on Spotify Apple Castbox wherever you listen to fine podcasts and Sarah I was just going to say uh all you have to do I've had a couple of people ask me how do you actually find it simply go into Apple or Spotify or CastBox if you wish. Just type in sour cream and sweet jelly sauce. Sorry, <laughs> back it up, sister. Back it up. <laughs> Don't type this in. You're the wedge with sour cream and sweet jelly sauce. And you can even just Come Google on. that. You can just Well, we're hitting out. Yeah. Yeah, just Google us. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing better than a bit of a Google. <laughs> All right, Sarah Cream. Yes, it's been beautiful as always. And I will catch you next week. On the flip side there, sister. See you, folks. Till next time. It's a bye from me. And ciao.